I consider it a privilege to bring the New Year sermon to you. And I get to do this two years in a row. <laughs> uh, I was remembering, yes. <laughs> like Jeremy mentioned, uh, I was thinking about last year at the same time, preaching to an empty room. And today, as I was sitting here and I was reflecting, and the scene that came to me today morning was, you remember when Jesus went to the synagogue for the first time to preach in the beginning of his ministry, Luke chapter 4? He goes up to the pulpit, and the scroll was given to him. He didn't pick the words. This, this, the words was given to him uh, from Isaiah, specifically Isaiah chapter 61 verse 1, which said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, and he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor, recovery, to the, uh, recovery of sight to the blind, and the, set the captives free. And in the end, it ends with this one particular phrase in Isaiah chapter 61.1. And to proclaim the year of Lord's favor. To proclaim the year of Lord's favor. So I proclaim the year of Lord's favor on our church, and on all of you, your families, your career, your reputation, everything you are involved in, may the Lord's favor be upon you. Today is known as the Epiphany Sunday, and some of you are going, what? <laughs> so in the global church calendar, especially if you are from an Eastern Orthodox church tradition, they celebrate Epiphany. It is almost as important as Christmas and Easter. It is the celebration of the arrival of the Magi to see the baby Jesus. Now, I know that particularly who we are in the Western tradition or all over the globe, we have grown up seeing that three wise men from the east in the manger, right? They are an inevitable, uh, uh, you know, a part of the manger scene. But the historians might disagree with you because uh, it is fairly certain that the Magi were not in the manger. They came later, and the Bible says it very clearly. Actually, the Bible says, the gospel says that they came and saw him at his house. Not in the manger. So it happened a little later. Another reason we believe that is, you remember when Jesus was, you know, born and Herod, King Herod got upset about this and then he ordered a massacre of children of two years old and under. You remember? Two years old and under. And the reason being generally agreed that the Magi saw the light of the, or the star of the Savior when he was born but then they traveled from the east, wherever they were, they traveled from the east, and it took almost two years for them to reach Palestine to see the baby Jesus. That's why it is perceived, or at least it is estimated, that it took around two years for the Magi to actually came to Palestine and see baby Jesus, not in the manger, but at his house. 
Anyway, it doesn't really matter. But I want you to know that that's what Epiphany is, and that's a big celebration in most part of the world, particularly in the eastern part of the Orthodox tradition. Uh, so we are going to read the story of the Magi today, so Christmas continues here at Lake Avenue. Uh, so um, uh, would you stand with me for the reading of the words? Uh, I'm going to read from the Gospel of Matthew chapter 2. I'm going to read verse 1 and 2, then I'm going to skip all the way to 10 and 11 to save some time and space. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1, 2, and 10 and 11. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. After coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell to the ground and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. This is the word of the Lord, and you may be seated. And of course, we know that the Magi are known for their gifts, right? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And one of the things that stand out in that gift giving is that one Magi decided to give him myrrh. Now, this is another secondary myth, and I'm pretty sure you know this, and many people think that there were three Magis because there were three gifts. It could be, it could be just one Magi, well, more than one Magi, but, but it could be any number. You know that, right? But one thing that stands out in that gift giving is the gift of myrrh. Because if you lived in the first century, and if somebody gives you merit, especially as a birthday gift, you would be offended. Gold, you can understand, it is symbolizes his kingship, right? Gold, you can get, take gold anytime. And frankincense is actually a symbol of his deity. It's a symbol of worship, frankincense. And that you understand. But myrrh at the time was used as an embalming oil. When people die, they use myrrh to embalm the body. Now that is not something you want as your birthday gift, right? So it kind of symbolized something very awkward, something very different than anything else. Somehow this magi saw a premonition Something that is looming in the future for this child. And that stands out. Now today, it's also the first Sunday of the month and the first Sunday of the year we are going to take communion. And as we take this communion, I want you to remember that particular gift. Because even in the manger, there was the shadow of the cross. And Jesus' birth is important. Jesus' life is important. Jesus' teaching is important. But the very purpose of his coming was his death for the atonement for our sins. 
So we are going to partake from this together. And if you haven't received it already, and I'm pretty sure our ushers will be happy to deliver it to you. Now, this is what we are going to do today. I'm going to show you a video, okay? And this video is done by my friend, Matt Autry. And he was my friend and technically my student. I was a TA at Fuller Seminary. And while I was at Fuller, we had something called a Fuller Filmmakers Club. So he directed this music video. And I thought it's pretty, very, very smart, very ingenious. He took a Christmas song and turned it around. So I want you to enjoy it just for around six minutes. So I want you to hold on to this. I want you to reflect as you watch that or probably when you hear that song. And then I will come back and we will have it together, okay? So let's enjoy that video uh, directed by Matt Autry. And 
body of Christ broken for our sins. The blood of Christ shed to establish a new covenant for us. Now, <laughs> let me tell you the real reason why I showed you that video. <laughs> That's my Hollywood debut. Did you see me in that video at all? <laughs> I'm sorry you missed me, but uh, this is no joke. Uh, I'll show you a shot. I hope there is a slide. I was in that, yeah. That picture you saw, that was me, actually. <laughs> <laughs> After nine years of living in Los Angeles, I fin finally made it, right? And it's funny, when they were making that video, they were looking for a Magi, you know, they wanted somebody from the East. There are a lot of people from the East at Fuller, but somebody with a brown toned skin. <laughs> so I was their only option. So they... <laughs> Say, Matt and the whole team cajoled me to do this and, you know, and uh, believe it or not, they took a couple hours of different shots. They had close-ups, they had medium close-ups, they had long shots, all that, just to get that scene right. But after they did that, they decided that my face was not good enough for the screen. <laughs> and they cut it off. <laughs> But on a positive note, they thought I have a perfect body and six-pack abs, so, you know, they, they, they should, you know. You can get everything, can you? <laughs> so, um, you know, today I promised the leadership team that the sermon will be very simple and short because I think the, the whole family is joining us and we don't want to prolong it. So I just wanted to... Uh, to, just to go into something very, very specific about this Magi episode. Now, if you really take that passage, specifically the arrival of the Magi, and if you really take that out of the Bible, there are a lot of confusion that happens with the theology that kind of brings forth by this episode. I'll, I'll explain this in a bit. So, first of all, one thing that stands out from that story is the, what they did, what they did, what the Magi did, not just giving gifts to Jesus, and we know that story, I don't have to preach it again, but the scripture very clearly says that they, they came to his house and they fell on the ground and worshiped Jesus, okay? Now this may not be a big deal for us because we worship Jesus too. But if you really look at the gospel story, in the Jewish context, it is almost a borderline blasphemy to worship a human being. And if you really read the gospel closely, even the disciples did not technically worship him until he was resurrected. 
Only the resurrected Jesus was worshipped. Then they worshipped. And the term worship comes back and again and again. Because at that point, Jesus is superhuman. Right? But up until that time, the only other episode you would see is when he walked on water. Then the disciples, the word which kind of used this kind of worship. But even at that time, walking on water was a superhuman event. Right? And so, because in the Jewish context, like I said, they don't believe in incarnation. They don't believe God can come down as a human being. That's a blasphemy to, to worship a, a man. So Jesus, while he was living on earth, and particularly at the manger, was a mere human being, at least from the perception of everyone, everyone who was watching him, right? But the Magi were the first to worship Jesus. That is quite commendable. Because these men saw something in Jesus that nobody else could see. Others might have seen a king, a priest, a prophet, a lot of other things about Jesus, but they saw the deity, the Godhead in Jesus before anybody else could see. And they worshipped him, the first to have worshipped him. So what they did really stand out. And the second thing that stand out in that story is who they are, who they are. Who are these magi? Who are these wise men from the East? Believe me, nobody has a clue. There are speculations around it. I have done around 10 years of research specifically on this topic. I'm not going to bore you with this because the, the, you know, some people say they were from Arabia, some people say they were from Persia, some people say they are from India, and they could as well be from China or Korea or Japan, it doesn't matter, they were from the East. And the interesting part of that story, the irony of the story, is that they were outsiders of the realm of the covenant God made with Abraham. Or in our context, we would say that they were outsiders of the so-called Judeo-Christian tradition. They were not Jews, and they were not Christians. Obviously, they were not Christians either. So they were the, uh, they were the outsiders of the Judeo-Christian tradition, and the irony is that they were the first to recognize Jesus as God. Isn't that strange? And the biggest event that has happened in the history of the world, the arrival of God into this world, was revealed to these men from the East who were outside the realm of the covenant. Now that really gives a, a very different tone to the whole theology of the Bible. That's why I said, if you take up, if you tear up the story of the wise men from the gospel, the theology of the Bible will be very different. It is not just like one of the other miracle stories, or it is not just like one of the other parables. This story really stands out and makes us wonder, what is God doing outside our knowledge? 
And around, like I said, around 10 years of my life, I was obsessed with this perspective of the outsiders on Jesus. Because when you come to church, you hear the same thing. Because we all believe in the same thing. We all have at least very similar perception of who Jesus is, right? But it's very interesting, and I travel the world, and I am also a man from the East, and I've taken that figurative journey from the East to the West. And in this journey, I've talked to many, many people of different culture and different faith tradition. And one thing that really surprised me, that to this day, I have never ever heard anybody say something bad about Jesus. Unless they are some kind of a hardcore atheist just to make, want to make fun of Christians. Still, they very rarely, including Richard Dawkins, who is considered the ultimate nemesis of Christianity, has only good things to say about Jesus. That's very strange. And if you really study the world religions, which is kind of my area of expertise, and I studied six major world religions from the same perspective, and I've seen that people of all religion respect, and if not revere, Jesus of Nazareth, whom we worship. That's very strange. Somehow it seems that there is the grace of God, there is this, there is this redemption, this, this looming redemption lurking in the darkness. And God is doing something out there that we don't understand. It is not revealed to us because we don't need to know that, but it doesn't mean that God is not doing something else without our knowledge or our permission, per se. And, uh, you know, I, I, I developed a series of, you know, seminars and talks on this Jesus according to. You know, that was the topic of my seminars. This is back in the days. I was very active in the itinerary ministry. And I would go and preach Jesus according to Islam. Jesus according to Hinduism. And Jesus according to Buddhism. Because all this outsider's perspective really enrich your own understanding of Jesus. Because the way they look at Jesus, obviously it's a flawed view. It's a skewed view. But still, it is interesting view. Just like the view of the Magi. And, uh, and eventually, uh, you know, a big publisher came to me and said, Matthew, this is really great. It's very difficult to publish you because you don't have a Facebook page, you don't have a Twitter, you don't have a following, but we are very interested in this material and they published the book and eventually it evolved into a course, the Mosaic course, which we will be offering later. And I, I don't want to talk about the book or anything that I'm not even giving you a clue, but here is, you know, I was talking to Nancy today. So if you have been to Lake Avenue Church for a long time, I mean, or if you are new for that matter, <laughs> there is a connecting table just outside. Okay? If you have not plugged into the community, that's where you go first. And to be, at least this should be a New Year resolution as far as the, your church life is concerned. Get involved in church activities, be part of the community, and find a group of brothers and sisters who will share life with you. When you sign up for that, when you go and say hello to Nancy, I've given some free copies of my book. I'm still not going to give you the name of the book. But, you know, so if you're a newcomer and you'll get a free copy of the book, 
okay? And it will explain, the reason I'm, I'm saying that, because when they asked me to write this book, I used the Magi story as a, as a narrative arc, because I didn't want to write another book on world religion, it's kind of boring. So I used it as a storyline, and the, the, the journey of the Magi from the east to the west. It's a, like I said, it's a journey I took, both figuratively, metaphorically, and, and physically in a real sense. And on the journey from the east to the west, they go through different cultures, and they go through different religions looking for the Messiah, and they see this different perspective of Jesus, and finally, they find the Jesus that we worship in Christianity, and that's kind of the end of the story. So anyway, that's, a, so, so that, that's our gift to you, and if that is your New Year re resolution, please go and meet Nancy outside at the connecting table. Now, coming back to the sermon. You know, I am very, very grateful that the Magi made that trip. The reason being, see, their story gave us a completely alternate picture of the biblical understanding of redemption, as I just mentioned. Right? The New Testament would not be the same without their story and this perspective of the outsider. So in that sense, it is not just the gift they gave, whether it is gold or frankincense or myrrh, but it is the very fact that they came itself became a gift. To me, that's the most beautiful thing about that story. See, they offered that gift to Jesus, but in their journey, they became a gift to us. They became a gift to us. And I'm grateful that they came. See, they could have been, you know, when they had this revelation, they could have thought, you know, if I was there in the East, and I saw the star, and I had this revelation, and what, this is the first thing I would think. Oh, here is the star of the king of the Jews. That's what they say. They didn't say it's the king of the world or the king of anything else. King of the Jews. And if I'm in India or Persia, wherever I'm sitting, why should I care about the king of the Jews? Jews, even today, is a, is a minority. There are only around 15 million Jews in the world even today. As opposed to two point some billion Christians and one point some billion Muslims. Who cares about the Jewish king? They didn't have to worry about it. It's not my king. I don't have to go. They could have thought that. And they didn't have to take that risk, but they still decided to go. Their willingness to take that step of faith and traverse this, you know, all the difficulties that they had to go through from the east to the west. In that process, they became a gift to us. And the risk they took is very important. You know, like, like I said, it is assumed that around two years of the journey, and this is back in the days, right? Two years of their journey and when they travel and they had to climb many mountains, they had to trek many forests, they had to probably go through the sea, ocean, I don't know how they came, how they came. and then we assume there are another two years of trip back, assuming that they made that trip. And they probably had to face the sun and the snow. They had to fight the, I don't know, the bandits and the pirates in the strip with the gold and frankincense, the expensive gifts. And they took that risk, not knowing that they are going to go back. How many birthdays they, they must have missed for their kids? How many wedding anniversaries they missed with their wives? 
and they still decided to make that trip. They were willing and obedient to a call, call from God, a divine revelation. Now that I'm telling you is the true gift. Their willingness, their decision to step out in faith to, uh, in pursuit of a true revelation from God. Now that is the gift. That is the real gift. You know, whenever God calls us, it is a call to a journey. I'm going to repeat that. Whenever God calls us, it is a call to a journey. And the first real call of God is recorded in Genesis chapter 12 when Abraham was called. That's how he became the father of faith. Do you remember? He was the first one called to journey from the east to the west. Abraham at the time was in Mesopotamia, which is considered today's Iraq, Kuwait, at that area. And when he was living there, God said, go from east to west. And Abraham said, okay, I will go. And he was not given a destination. He was not given a map, but still Abraham decided to go. And that, in pursuit of God's calling, the journey started. Then comes Moses, after almost another 500 years. Moses went to the Egyptian emperor Pharaoh and said, let my people go. And Pharaoh said, where? And uh, Moses said, I don't know. <laughs> and the people, Israel, Israel said, yeah, 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 let's go. But where? I don't know. God didn't tell me where. There is a land flowing with milk and honey. And you look around, all you see is a desert. Okay? No disrespect to anybody from the Middle East. I lived in the Middle East. Okay? But the last thing you think of is milk and honey when you go into that part of the world. Oil, yes. But milk and honey, not really. <laughs> okay? But... Moses said, milk, land that is flowing with milk and honey, which is the call. Now that is, interestingly, from west to east. <laughs> you know, Egypt to almost the eastern direction. It doesn't matter. You know, God doesn't give you a destination. God doesn't give you a direction. That is why it becomes a step of faith. And that is the kind of faith that Magi expressed. And then came Jesus, and we thought somebody will narrow it down. And then Jesus said to his disciples, Go into all, world, all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Matthew, Mark chapter 16, verse 15. Go into all the world. Uh, he narrowed it down, didn't he? Right? And a bunch of fishermen and tax collectors, they didn't have a GPS, they didn't have a flight ticket, they didn't have a hotel booking, they didn't have anything. They said, yeah, let us go. And I'm glad they were just a bunch of fishermen, not PhDs. You know, if they were PhDs, they would try to figure this out. And that's why God called them. And they said, yeah, let's go. Let's go all over the world. And they did. And that's why you are sitting here right now. That's why we are sitting here right now. So the God's call in pursuit of a due, true revelation, right, that journey, the decision to take that journey is the most significant, the most important New Year resolution you can take. So, my newer message to you is very, very, very simple. It is not about your gold. It is not about your frankincense. It is not about your mirror. It is not about your gift. 
but it is the, the Lord is asking you to become a gift to humanity. To take that step. And the Lord has called you a long time ago. The sound was always there. And we were trying to find excuses. There are people, a lot of people are waiting outside for you to start the journey. It is like a domino, you know. When you start your journey, then you will hit into somebody else and then they will start their journey and then the, another person will start their journey. That's the way it is going to be. So, if this year, I want you to take that journey. I'm going to ask the worship team to come, come back. <clears throat> As I'm going to pray before that, and I want you to think about God's calling in your own life. And can you be the magi to this world, this world which is really wreaked in havoc of this COVID epidemic? And the world has a lot of darkness in this, and we can see that for sure. But still, you are called to be the light of the world and to pursue that journey. And maybe it is not to go from the east to the west or west to the east, all you need maybe is to walk across the street and talk to that neighbor you have never spoken to. Maybe it is for you to walk across the desk in your workplace and talk to that colleague and say, hey, can I help you with something? Maybe it is just to walk across the aisle in your church and to say hello to somebody you haven't spoken to. And there are people who have been in this church for years and never spoken to each other. Maybe that walking across the aisle might be your journey. And whatever that journey is, the Magi inspire us to take that journey. What will you risk for that journey? The Magi risk their career, their reputation, their family in so many ways in that journey. They risk their own life without knowing that they are going to come back, but they followed the star. So let us follow the star, whatever that star is in our life. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for you chose us to give this true divine revelation of who you are in our life. There are so many people outside in the darkness and they don't have a complete picture of who you are, but you have revealed to us as the king that's symbolized by the gold and the true deity God symbolized by the frankincense and also the sacrifice of our sins symbolized by the mirror. And we thank you for the gift of the magi and we thank you for the gift that we truly are to this world. And Lord, we decide on the first Sunday of this year to step out in our faith and take that journey and to become your new year gift to the world. In Jesus' name, amen.